Galatians chapter 6 and verse 14. But God forbid that I should glory, save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world is crucified unto me, and I unto the world. God forbid that I should glory, save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. I was intrigued some time ago as I saw an ad promoting a sale at a jewelry store on cross jewelry. All of it, they said, was marked down 50% off. It was one of those moments that made me go, hmm. I'm not here tonight to discuss the merits, whatever they might be, of wearing a golden cross around your neck or as earrings or anything else. It just, there was something about that at that moment that struck me a little odd. Something about a marked down cross. It made me think, you know, I wonder if the sales were off this year and suddenly they had a big supply. I don't know. Just a marked down cross. I'm here to tell you tonight that there's nothing cheap about the cross of Jesus Christ. We've never seen a man crucified. The entire concept then is somewhat ambiguous to us. In fact, I've never seen any person executed. Although I've seen a lot of people die. I've never seen anyone executed, whether on the gallows or in the electric chair or in the gas chamber or strapped to a lethal injection table. We would not dream of fashioning an electric chair out of gold and wearing it as a necklace. We would not give a golden gallows to one of our loved ones as a token of our appreciation. And I'll tell you right now, if you go around wearing a hangman's noose around your neck, you're probably going to give people the wrong idea these days. But even with these examples, and we think about how strange it would be then to have a, a golden gallows or a golden electric chair or a golden gas chamber. Even then, we'd still struggle really to understand the cross. Because while our modern means of execution have done their very best to create a humane form of putting people to death when they have to experience that, as rare as it is, it was not so with the cross. The cross crucifixion was not rare under the Roman government. And it was not humane. In fact, uh, the cross was designed to maximize suffering. It was not at all uncommon for the victims of crucifixion to live for days. Uh, the very fact that uh, they broke the legs of those men who were crucified with Jesus, Jesus was already dead or they would have broken his. But that was unusual. In fact, it wasn't uncommon for them to give them water. And they had that hyssop there for a reason, to give them water. Just to prolong their agony. 
so they would live longer. Crucifixion was designed to do really only one thing, and that was to strike stark terror into the hearts of the people who were living their life under the power that was Rome, so that you would look at that person being crucified and say to yourself, whatever they did, I'll never do that. And just so you were not left to wonder, their Roman law prescribed that the crime that resulted in this crucifixion would be posted on the cross so you could see. This is what Rome does to murderers. This is what Rome does to thieves. This is what Rome does to rival kings. Come back tomorrow and likely they'll still be here. Still suffering. Still impaled. Still helpless. The cross was feared and hated. So Paul's words are amazing in this passage. And no doubt the words of the other New Testament writers were amazing. It's no wonder they talked about the offense of the cross. God forbid that I should glory. I will glory in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. If nothing else tonight, we should see that the very fact that Jesus Christ died on the cross changed the meaning of the cross. It did it in the first century. All these centuries later, it still is. It's different because Jesus Christ made it different. Do you see that? God forbid that I should glory save in the cross. Even in our own language, you'll find the cross. And you find it in strange places. You find it in the word cruel, for example. Cruel is built on the root of crucified. Excruciating. Same root. We hear much today about preaching to the perceived needs of people. And that's been a big popular subject in religious circles today. And uh, in those who, who study preaching and teaching. And I know you don't. I do. But among us, there's a lot of discussion. A lot of books written about preaching to what is now known as felt needs or perceived needs. Uh, thus, uh, the kind of preaching that tells people how to be happy. The kind of preaching that tells them how to make money and how to be successful. Uh, kind of preaching that tells you how to have a stronger marriage or happy marriage. How to raise good kids. How to overcome bad habits. And let me be quick to say that the Bible does indeed address all of those things. But I'm here to remind you tonight that the Bible doesn't address those things independently of the cross. If you go by way of the cross of Jesus Christ, you see, the Bible has a lot to say about how you can be happy. If you go by way of the cross, 
The Bible has a lot to say about how you can have a happy marriage. I mean, after all, if both partners have been to the cross of Jesus Christ, both partners then are living out the truth of the cross of Jesus Christ, then obviously they're going to get along a lot better to get your kids to understand the truth of, of the cross and live in accordance with it. You'll have better kids. When you go by way of the cross, then the Bible has a lot to say about all those things. But if you skip the truth of the cross and just talk about how that Christianity addresses then all of these other things, it might attract some, but usually it's going to leave them disappointed. You see, the problem that we have about just preaching to perceived needs is that nobody really thinks they need the cross. Here's somebody struggling with their self-image or self-perception. They might think they need a lot of things, but they're never going to say, you know, what I really need is to learn more about the cross of Jesus Christ. They may not feel that way. Do you understand what I'm saying tonight? They may not feel that way. They may never feel that way. But you and I know that that's really what they need. Though they don't crave the cross, the flesh certainly does that. They don't think about the cross as a solution for their problems and as their uh, major need in their life. But that is, in fact, exactly what it is. I can understand then why Paul determined to know nothing when he came to Corinth. One of my favorite passages, when he came to Corinth, he said, I determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and Him crucified. I'm not going to preach anything else but the cross of Jesus Christ. What an example that is. Reaches across the centuries. What a great church was built in, in a very difficult time, in a very difficult place by the preaching of the cross of Jesus. We might be inclined to think tonight that when we are saved, then we're finished with the cross, but that's not what the Bible teaches us. Instead, it presents the cross to us as something that is ongoing in its effect. We have other things to do. Certainly we need to be saved and we're saved when we see that Jesus Christ died for us and we believe on him as our savior. That his death was counted as my death. That his burial was counted as mine. His resurrection then became my resurrection. So that his life becomes my life. We receive him, the truth of the gospel that Christ died for our sins. And was buried and rose again the third day. According to the scripture. We believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. We receive him. As our savior. We're born again. That, that's the cross. That's the cross. I also want to tell you tonight. That the cross of Jesus Christ. Is good for one salvation only. <laughs> Just one. That's all you need. <laughs> that's all you need. If you had to get saved again, Jesus would have to be crucified again. The writer of the book of Hebrews tells us that that's not possible. That's not going to happen. And the good news is that salvation lasts forever. We are saved to the uttermost who come unto God by him, seeing that he ever liveth to make intercession for him. Yes. But just because we've been saved and we're saved eternally doesn't mean that we're finished with the cross. So tonight we're going to look at some of the things the Bible tells us that we are to do with the cross. First of all, we're to carry it. 
carry the cross. Luke chapter 9 and verse 23, Jesus said, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. Take up the cross. Uh, to be a Christian, you see, is to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. And once we receive him as our Savior then, we have gone to the cross, we have accepted that great payment for our sins, then that becomes the defining matter of your life and of mine, the cross of Jesus Christ. We follow him, and we follow him daily. Jesus uh, talked about this in two forms. It involves, first of all, an act of self-denial. It is daily a matter, then, of denying myself because myself is constantly, constantly wanting to take the helm and develop uh, the ascendancy, if you will, in, in our life. I, I, I think about that country song that was popular a few years ago, Jesus, Take the Wheel. And that's a great thing. But if the only time that you ever say in Jesus take the wheel is when you hit that patch of black ice and you're turning uh, somersaults around on the road, uh, you, you've got things wrong. And that was kind of what that story was about, if you remember that song, and some of you don't. Jesus take the wheel. But that's a, a, a decision we need to make every day about our life. Now, Jesus, I can live today with my hands on the wheel or... Jesus, I can live today with your hands on the wheel. I can, I can live today with me in charge. Or Jesus, I can live today with you in charge. And so Jesus called us daily then to deny ourselves, And that act of putting Jesus Christ first in our life then is that matter of taking up his cross daily. The day that we don't do that is the day that we make a mess. It's a day that we fail. That day can turn into two. Two can turn into a week. That week can turn into a month. And that month can turn into a year. And before long, you've lived a long, long time and gone a long way. Take up my cross. We carry the cross. Secondly, tonight, we see that we are to proclaim the cross. Verse 18 in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. What looks foolish to the world is found to be incredibly powerful to you and my, me because the message of the cross unleashes the power of God in your life and mine. And I say that advisedly tonight because if somebody comes around with a broken leg, then obviously they need to go to the hospital and get that set and fixed. They might need to have surgery. And we can't look at that and say that the cross is what they need. And I, I mention that because we began this message talking about felt needs and how that people are sometimes unhappy and they don't know what they need and they think maybe the Bible has a means of telling them how to be happy. I then could say, well, the cross will make you happy. The cross can make you happy. The cross will make you happy. But the cross doesn't inoculate you from ever having a time of sorrow or difficulty. Uh, but I can also tell you that a lot of the things that make us unhappy are simply sinful things. Bad choices, bad decisions, bad moves that we make. 
And so while I would not say to a person necessarily who's struggling with depression or who's struggling with something else that uh, the cross is the answer, but you know, when that person's on their deathbed and dying of cancer, that's a great time to talk to them about the cross of Jesus Christ because it gives us comfort in those moments. Jesus did not come into this world to cure all of the ills of this world, potentially, or do away with all of the difficulties in this world, potentially. He did not do that. But he did deal with the one issue that most threatened humanity in the world, and that's a sin issue. God did not send us a philanthropist, Bailey Smith said, because the problem's not poverty. He did not send us an educator because the problem is not ignorance. God sent us a savior because the problem is sin. And when we go to the cross then, we find that that is exactly what we need. Romans chapter 3 and verse 21 tells us about this. But now the righteousness of God apart from the law is revealed, being witnessed by the law and the prophets, even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ to all and on all who believe. For there is no difference for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The cross has a universal appeal because all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Anybody who's ever sinned can do business with the cross of Jesus Christ. And according to the word of God, that means everybody, me, you, everybody in the whole world. And there's no difference. There's no difference between the bank president and his office and the crack addicted girl selling herself on the street for the next high. There's no difference between the corporate lawyer and the drug dealer, between a gang member and a church member. All, all have sinned. All have sinned. All have come short of the glory of God. All, all need the message of the cross of Jesus Christ. They need to experience in that power because apart from the power of the cross of Jesus Christ, we'd all be headed for hell. And if you're not tonight, you can say amen and hallelujah. You probably won't, but you could because Jesus Christ has paid your debt. Though you didn't deserve it, the cross has paid your ransom. The universal problem of sin brings us the universal solution and power of the cross. So what do we do with his cross? Well, we carry his cross and we preach his cross. And then in our text, we see that great passage. We glory, we glory in the cross. The cross was a rather conspicuous thing, you'd have to say. The blood, the wood, the nails kind of thing that stands out a person nailed to the cross you might not even remember what he looks like because the cross would be so dominating stand out so much in your mind and in your memory but Paul would speak of that cross of Jesus Christ and he said that's what I glory in see this cross yeah best thing ever happened to me best thing about me and we have to wonder then, when we look at this passage, is, is the cross really conspicuous in our life? It's a great question for me, and one I've pondered these last few days. It's a great question for all of you. Paul tells us, there, first of all, the world has been crucified to me. Paul 
looked at the world then as being nailed to the cross of Jesus Christ so that to get to anything the world had for him or the world could offer him, he would have to go through the cross of Jesus Christ. And therefore he concluded, it has nothing to offer to me, nothing that I really need, nothing to threaten me if we with. But also he saw it as a means by which he was crucified to the world so that the world sees us through the cross. And that's not a bad thing, folk. That's what we want. I read this week about a man named Roger Gates. Uh, Roger Gates was one of the first ones that uh, I knew about. I knew someone had done it, and I went looking for it, and I finally found the guy that I was looking for. He was one of the first men who... Uh, prominently, was prominently known for walking across the United States, one side to the other, carrying a cross, a wooden cross, uh, rigged a wheel up on the back and carried it around. It was 40 years ago when he did it. His cross was 11 foot tall. It took him 14 months to make the journey. Uh, Roger had, was a Vietnam veteran. In those days, that was in the early 80s, 1981, if I remember correctly. And uh, he was a Vietnam veteran. He had had some problems, but he got saved. And he just felt like this was something the Lord was leading him to do. He, he did it so he could talk to people. And he talked about how that on that journey, he would go a little while. And he would find a place to stay. He carried a tent in, place no, in case nobody uh, would, would take him in. He, he talked about how that some nights he stayed in churches. Churches would let him stay. Some nights he said he, he stayed in people's homes. People would invite him in and, and eat. And he'd get to stay in their home. The remarkable thing about Roger Gates is that last year, at the age of 71... He decided to do it again. And in fact, he started in North Carolina, just followed I-40, came across Tennessee, and came all the way across the state of Arkansas to the Oklahoma line in November when he got there to the Oklahoma line, and he stopped and took off for the winter. He's from Oklahoma, so he had just had a buddy come pick him up. and He started again on his journey to the West Coast today. Today, you can find him on Facebook. I'm sure maybe some of you, Roger Gates, Ministry of Truth, I believe it's called on Facebook. I don't know anything else about him other than that he's walking across the country for the second time, 71 years old. You have to admire a guy. <clears throat> he talked about, he was doing this last year. He talked about how much different things were last year. Where before, you know, people would invite him in his home, and their homes, there was none of that. He could stay in churches before, none of that. Um, how easy it was 40 years ago for this guy carrying a cross to talk to people because people would stop him and want to talk to him and, and encourage him. And see, he wasn't getting a lot of that. I don't mind telling you, I stopped and when I was thinking about this and reading about it. I stopped and prayed for him, knowing he's going to start today again. Because you and I know something. America is a different America today than it was 40 years ago. And what might happen to a guy walking down the road carrying a cross? 
I, I don't imagine everybody that talks to him is going to be encouraging. What do you think? He didn't talk about any of that. If somebody had been mean to him or anything bad had happened, I didn't see it. I don't, I don't bring this guy up to tell you that I think we all need to go home and build us an 11-foot cross and start carrying it around Cabot. I, I don't think that's what we need to do. Uh, he feels like that's what the Lord had called him to do, and I it personally admire him for doing it. There's no prohibition against it that I know of. Uh, he's doing it for his own reasons and his own purposes, but I'll tell you one thing. When you see a guy walking down the road, 71 years old, carrying an 11-foot-high cross. You know who he's walking for. You know who he's walking for. And I've been praying for me, and I've been praying for all of you. Because carrying the cross is getting tougher in our country. Making the cross of Jesus Christ conspicuous in our life gets more difficult all the time. And following that task that Jesus gave him, let us deny ourselves daily and take up our cross daily, take up his cross daily and follow him, being a disciple of Jesus Christ. Making the cross conspicuous. be a tough thing in our world but I'm convinced tonight as much as I've ever been that what the United States of America needs right now is the cross of Jesus Christ and people who will live it out who will take up that cross daily and follow Jesus Jesus